Welcome to Voice Power, the podcast all about bringing the power of voice for your business or personal needs. With 94 projects under his belt, your expert on voiceovers, Earl Thomas, the voice. Welcome to Voice Power, episode 24. Today, my special guest will be audio content expert from New York City, Amit Kukrija. Amit is the co-founder of Audia, a new platform making audio discoverability much more stronger. When you look for audio on the internet, where do you go? Oftentimes it is to YouTube, but that is for video. Amit is very knowledgeable, creative, passionate about philosophy and communication. He is creative, energizing platforms to broaden in order to discover mechanisms that work for content creators. Content creators come in many forms, and I am one being a voiceover artist. I find Audia is a safe and easy place to share my voice power episodes. We will find out from Amit how, why, and when he created this brilliant startup that's been running for one year. Audia.io focuses to reimagine how spoken word audio content is uploaded, distributed, and consumed. Audia officially launched on April the 5th, 2021. Simply described, Audia is YouTube for audio. Audio is centralized and uses search-based recommendations in delivering relevant audio content to interested listeners. I'm looking forward to finding out how Amit reached these amazing discoveries and how Audia will work for you. Welcome, Amit. Glad you're here today. How are things in New York City? Things are great. Thank you for having me, Earl. I'm, I'm happy to be here and glad to uh, talk about whatever we're going to talk about today. Yeah, voice power is all about discovering how our voice creates positivity in our life. Now, Amit, thanks for being here and sharing your life discoveries about your voice. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk all about the power of voice and ultimately what we need to do to get our voices more discovered in the uh, in the mainstream. Okay, well, let's dig in with uh, at Science Park High School, you were the debate team captain. Were you successful at debating competitions? I was pretty good. Uh, my senior year, I ended up uh, getting selected as one of nine people to be on the national USA debate team. So I got to travel pretty much all across the world in competitive debate from uh, Slovenia to Germany to Croatia, representing the USA. Uh, and we won some major national tournaments. I also ended my senior year as one of the top seven debaters in the country. So but I wasn't that good. My sophomore year, I was really bad. I was like absolute trash. Took a lot of hard work, a lot of consistency, and then I got there. And that's what ultimately ultimately had me fall in love with the process of communication and spoken word because I was doing it at a competitive level um, for, for the majority of four years in high school, which really was an awesome experience. How do you win a debate? You hear a debate going on. Who's better? Well, in a debate round, there's a judge and there's an affirmative and negative side. And there's a topic selected by the tournament. 
So for example, one of the main topics I debated was, should the United States ban the private ownership of handguns? So should we kind of reverse the Second Amendment? So now there's some affirmative arguments that like, you know, handguns are bad because they kill people, obviously. But then there's negative arguments about self-defense and the tyranny of the state and how we need to be able to protect ourselves. So there's a lot of conflicting values that the affirmative and the negative have to ultimately effectively communicate to a decision maker at the back of the room, which would be the judge. And in a debate tournament, it's kind of like an NCAA bracket. You have preliminary rounds and then you have eliminary rounds or elimination rounds. So there's like six preliminary rounds. You have to get at least four out of those six to have a positive record. And then you get into eliminary, elimination rounds, which is doubles, octos, quarters, semis, finals. And those are panels of three judges. And if you lose one of those rounds, you're out of the tournament. So you need to win at least two out of the three judges per elimination round to advance from like the top 64 all the way down to finals where you're in the top two. It's an exciting, exhilarating process. You've got to do a lot of research to know a lot about the topic. But if you can become an effective communicator at the end of the day, you can get people to like you, then you can win a lot of debate rounds. How did Rutgers Business School prepare you for your business world? Well, you know, Rutgers was a great experience, not necessarily because of all the education. I mean, the education was fine, but I think when you're doing business, it's less about the education and more about the experience of actually trying to do business. Uh, and I failed at so many businesses in college. But the good thing is I just tried to start so many. I mean, like I, I started this thing and that thing and that thing, and all of them were bound to fail. But it was, you know, incredible experience for me as an individual to understand what it really takes to acquire customers, to retain customers, to actually develop a product that is meaningful to sell, all that stuff, marketing, you know. Um, and I think it's led to, to a lot of experience that I have right now. So Rutgers really gave me the, the time to just be alone and fail at stuff so that I could ultimately get a little bit better at business. Your determination is really, really important, I think. And I'd like to know also, uh, why did you begin your consulting business when you were a college freshman? Was that a little early? It was a little early, but the thing is I was getting clients. So uh, we talked about my debate success. And after my debate success, I was just getting phone calls and emails by random people across the United States. Uh, asking if I could help them with their public speaking, communication, and debate skills. And then they were, you know, they were willing to pay me for it. And I was like, oh, I think this is a business opportunity here. Uh, and, you know, there was, I don't think I'm a natural born entrepreneur, but there was something about me that said, you know, this is an opportunity where if someone's willing to pay you, you know, dollars per hour, that is much higher than working at Starbucks or traditional jobs that my friends were doing in college, then I should take that opportunity. And then the process of building that consulting firm, sustainable, it was bigger, you, you know, you had to build a brand, all that stuff was really interesting to me at a young age. Uh, even though I didn't do it in the most you know, effective ways, but that's where you live and learn. And uh, that's why I started consulting. And that's why I started making some money in college. Uh, what results did you create in your communications consulting firm for your clients? What specific results? So I coached, I coached two different types of clientele. One were uh, debaters. These are kids who wanted to do well at debate tournaments. And number two were actual uh, like speakers, like TEDx communicators, people who are giving keynote presentations, et cetera. So for the keynote presentation people, um, you know, I, I could read you their testimonials, but they just were able to give better speeches, right? They were able to better communicate. They were able to get on stage, lose the fear of public speaking, et cetera. And it's because once you have a student who wins a national championship because of your coaching, your name starts to get a little bit more viral. Other people start to reach out to you and that's how people get to know who you are. Um, so, you know, in the, in the first two years of the consulting practice, I had a couple of kids win some national tournaments in California and Texas and New York. And that's what just led to more business. Very cool. Yeah. And I'll, Describe your passion and expertise for audio content. In other words, we're getting into idea now, your passion. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, I've always loved audio because I saw it as a meaningful form of communication um, that could fit my skill set as a speaker 
Uh, and as someone who desperately wanted to do music, like I always wanted to be a musician and be sort of like a rock star, but I realized at an early age that I just didn't have the talent to communicate and sing, right? I wasn't a good singer. So I saw speaking as a way to achieve the level of uh, attention that I wanted to get in an audio format that wasn't music or wasn't singing oriented, but still had the level of depth and, and intimacy that music could potentially provide. Not at the at the exact level, same level of music, but speaking still is a very, very intimate experience as you can tell with the power of your voice, right? Um, so at that point I realized, look, if, if, if we could build a platform that was similar to what Spotify has done for songs, uh, but build that platform around audio ideas, give discoverability to communicators at scale that currently aren't getting discovered on other existing platforms, then there could be a business opportunity here, but there could more importantly be a uh, market dynamic in which communicators could use this platform to build audiences at scale, which I don't think is happening in the same way that it could happen for spoken word currently right now. Yes. In other words, you've let us know what idea does for audio. It does a lot, doesn't it? It tries at, at its core, it tries to get creators discovered for audio. I, I think there is a, you know, and now we're getting into it. Um, the reason I'm in love with audio is because of the intimacy that audio can provide from a medium, uh, just like the intimacy that reading can provide from a visualization perspective when you're actually reading pages. Spoken word audio is entering into a golden age where everyone has the ability to find their voice and then accentuate their voice towards the masses. The problem that comes when you enter into a medium that is able to help you better get your voice discovered is discoverability, uh, which is everyone has the ability to create, but now there needs to be platforms that exist that accelerate the creations that people are actually putting out into the world in audio format to the world. And I think some of the existing problems with podcasting platforms is that they are not necessarily networks in which people can find and discover you. They are hosting platforms in which your content sits on top of those platforms, but those platforms don't actually organically put you in front of people's faces. And anyone who knows marketing knows that you can write the world's greatest book, you can create the world's greatest podcast, but if no one's listening to it, if no one's reading to it, it ultimately is worthless at the end of the day because it does it goes nowhere, it sits in a graveyard. And I think a lot of the audio content that is being created on apps like Spotify, Apple, etc. Not to call those companies out because I think those are great companies, but they're ultimately sitting and dying on those platforms without them being organically recommended to new audiences. And I think if we could be the platform idea that could recommend that content through an algorithm, then I think there's a better opportunity for creators to ultimately get their voices heard. So it's better to be a, an idea. Now, I understand you've been going for one year. Idea is one year old. What have you accomplished with idea in one year? Yeah, so we did, we did a couple of things. A, we got a team together. That's probably one of the hardest parts of a startup is like getting people to buy into a mission and actually care that that mission is gonna you know, be successful. So we got a good team. Uh, we have me and my CTO and we, we're just, we, we, we work really well together and we have a really great, great dynamic. Uh, and we have skill sets that complement each other. He's more of a technical person. I'm more of a marketing person. Number two, we launched the actual product. So we launched April 5th, 2021. We started really working on it around February. So it took us two months to launch a uh, minimal viable product is what they call it, an MVP. That product had a lot of bugs, a lot of issues, just like it was a really ugly platform to look at, but we got it out there into the world. We got some initial users. And then by July, we launched the app. And now we're talking November, 2021 on our one year anniversary. Uh, we've really perfected a lot of the elements of the platform. There's some bugs, but they're very minimal. I mean, they exist, but it's hard to sort of spot them. You have to really dig deep into them because we've cleaned up a lot of the bugs. We've made the site more aesthetically pleasing. You know, when we launched in April 2021, there were buttons that were clunky. The font didn't match other pieces of font. So a lot of that stuff we transformed and made it into a very beautiful product. We made the app look really good and usable so people can actually load up the app on their iPhone and consume audio and create and, and, and kind of uh, organically consume it. And we have over 7,000 pieces of audio 
content that have been uploaded and over 1600 users that are currently using the platform. So that was good. And now 2022, we're looking at how can we just scale that? Yeah, that that is amazing. And I, I really enjoy idea. I enjoy going in there and it's so easy to load that you haven't reached the ceiling on what you can accomplish with idea. What do you see you accomplishing with idea in the next five years? I think we can get the whole world to find and discover audio content on our platform. And, I, and the reason I, I'm confident when I say that is because I don't think the platforms that currently exist today are actually solving audio discovery. Uh, and that is primarily because they have existing relationships with other companies that hinder them from being able to do this. So an example of this is something like Spotify. When you think of something like Spotify, it, it, I want everyone who's thinking of this to think as if they were a podcaster, even if they're not a podcaster. You make a great podcast. Let's say your podcast is about weight loss. You've gone through a weight loss journey. You've become a weight loss coach. You have you know five, 10 years of experience and you make amazing content around the concept of losing weight, eating healthy, mental wellness, all that type of stuff. When you distribute it through a Buzzsprout or an Anchor or whatever other hosting service you use, and those platforms then uh, distribute the content to a Spotify and Apple and the thousands of other R uh, apps that connect to an RSS feed. The reason I don't mention them is because they don't matter. Spotify and Apple are the only ones that truly, really matter. When you distribute it through those things and they go on Spotify and Apple, you now have to ask yourself a question. What is the incentive for Spotify in particular, let's just talk about them, to recommend my weight loss podcast to people that are looking for weight loss? Well, you would think, oh, it's obvious. They have a really big incentive, right? Like, so they can get you discovered. The problem is they don't have a big incentive. And there's two reasons for this. Number one, there are 95 million songs on Spotify and record labels own percentages of Spotify that, uh, that uh, manifests itself in two ways. Number one are songs and music, which is how Spotify makes most of their money off record label streams. So a good song is likely gonna beat your weight loss podcast for some airtime on the home feed because Spotify has to get artists discovered first and foremost, that's their core business. And number two is the premium audio content that Spotify has purchased, right? They've bought 700 exclusive podcasts to the platform. They've given one person $100 million, i.e. Joe Rogan, uh, to create content for them exclusively. So if Joe Rogan were to do an interview with a weight loss um, uh, nutrition expert, you know, is your podcast about weight loss getting in front of the homepage of 400 million monthly active users for Spotify or, or Joe Rogan, the guy that gave $100 million? It's not that, you know, it's not rocket science. So at that point, and again, I don't think Spotify is a bad platform. I just think it's going down the route of a Netflix of podcasts or a Netflix of audio business model, along with Apple as well, along with a lot of other companies, which is let's acquire premium content. Let's pay them a ton of money and let's get users because we have this premium content, just what Netflix does. And now they're going to consume that content and hopefully they'll pay us a $10 subscription to upgrade to premium. And that's how they make money. Whereas something like YouTube, the reason I'm so fascinated by YouTube is because YouTube doesn't have these type of premium exclusive relationships. They have an algorithm that filters search terms. So if you're making weight loss content and it's good and you're, and you're consistent, you will find an audience on YouTube because YouTube will take your thumbnail and title that is the basis for your video around weight loss content. And it's gonna show it to people that they think that their algorithm thinks is interested in that type of content. The good thing is YouTube has a really good algorithm because they have 2 billion people coming back every month. So they have a lot of data to understand how the platform operates. I think if we can bring that same approach to audio in which there's not exclusive content being shut stuffed down your face because we paid these people a price, but rather there's an algorithm that's trying to understand what content you like, which in return for the creator gets them discovered because they puts their content in front of random people's faces. That creates a symbiotic relationship between the creator and the consumer that can unlock millions of people getting discovered, which means five years from now, we potentially have the world consuming audio on audio. When someone subscribes to a podcast on idea, is that, that is good. And they will keep getting that podcast when a new one is made. 
Exactly. Yeah. When someone subscribes to, and we call them channels on Audio, just like YouTube calls them channels. When someone subscribes, whether it's a personal person or whether it's a person just talking about their thoughts or whether it's a specific podcast uploading content, that subscription gets added into our database, which means we know that person likes Earl's content. So we're going to show them more of Earl's content. Um, and more importantly, it's not just showing them Earl's content, it's showing content that is similar to what Earl makes as well, right? So I would classify your podcast as motivational self-development. It talks about how to really discover your own inner voice. There's a lot of other people making content that's similar to that. And if we can match those uh, people with your content based upon what users are doing, whether they're liking, commenting, listening to your content more and more longer, then we're ultimately creating a very powerful algorithm that can get more and more people like yourself discovered, which is what YouTube has done for video. And it's what TikTok has done for video. It's what Twitter has done for text and tweets, but it hasn't really been done for audio. And I think if we can do that for audio, then we can win. Because we're more of a streaming platform. We don't really live in the download. And the reason I don't like downloads as a metric either is because you don't know if people actually listen to it. You don't know how much, how, what the length of content people consume. But with streaming, we can give you all of those analytics as our analytics get better. And so you know exact data on, you know, at, at four minutes, 53 seconds, half of my audience left this episode. So what happened? Was there like a big mistake? Uh, we haven't fully figured out analytics. Over the next six, seven months, you're going to get a lot more analytics on the content that you're uploading. So there's a lot of room for even progressing even more. And you've accomplished Absolutely. a lot in, in, in just one year. Do you have a uh, uh, free offer for my listeners at Voice Power? What, what can you do for them? Yeah, you know, Audia is free to use. We would love for people to sign up and check out the, the, the platform. It's audia.io, A-U-D-E-A.io slash register. Or if you have an iPhone, we're not on Android yet, but we will be there on the iPhone. You can just type in A-U-D-E-A and we'll pop up. You can sign up for free. You don't even have to sign up to check out the content. As soon as you're on the platform or the app, we give you the content. You can watch it, consume it, whatever, or listen to it, consume it. Well, thanks for taking the time. Have a wonderful day, Amit. Thank you, Earl. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to Voice Power, the podcast that keeps you informed on how voiceovers improve your business and personal life. Earl Thomas the Voice thanks you for joining him today. Have yourself a wonderful day, and we look forward to you joining us next week.